from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Danny Wisentowski. The choice to homeschool isn't a simple one. But for Black parents, watching their kids struggle in traditional classrooms is making that choice make more sense. Exploring the growing number of Black families choosing to homeschool in St. Louis is the subject of a new three-part podcast series debuting this week. The series is called Doing It Our Way, and it was written, reported, produced, and hosted by St. Louis Public Radio's very own Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson. And she joins us today. Marissa Ann, welcome. Hey, Danny. Hey, Marissa Ann. Thank you so much for being here. This series focuses on this growing number of Black families embracing homeschooling and doing it their way. What drew you to this subject? Hmm. So I've been wanting to tell this story for almost a decade now, but it was never quite the right time to tell it. Fast forward to 2020 and suddenly everyone is homeschooling their kids. But before a global pandemic entered the chat, black parents have been talking about how historically the school system has failed their children. And I remember as a kid hearing adults talk about and experiencing for myself how the curriculum treats black history or black contributions as a footnote, outdated, dusty, crusty textbooks and technology, underfunded schools, students not being challenged academically, the effects of having overworked and underpaid teachers, disciplinary issues. I mean, the list goes on. And as I was reporting on this story, I was really curious about how a change in the school environment would affect how these kids were able to learn. Yeah. And you mentioned you know, that a, a lot of this discussion around homeschooling has really been ramped up during the era of the pandemic when parents are getting a closer uh, view of what their kids are learning and the ways that those systems have broken down. Is the pandemic also a variable here with these Black families in seeing, you know, are, are they seeing some of the same things? Is this closer view also giving them a sense of maybe it's time to make a different decision about this? I think that the the, the pandemic definitely gave parents a bird's eye view into what was going on in their kids' classroom. But this is something that has been going on long before there was even made mention of, of a pandemic. And, you know, when you're talking about some of the reasons why Black parents are saying, you know what, this this is not for us. It comes down to teacher biases. There's racism in the classroom, your zip code being a factor in where your kids are able to go to school and the quality of that school. Um, for some of these families in particular, there were a multitude of reasons, you know, negative experiences in the classroom. I spoke to a parent who got to see in real time because of the pandemic what was happening in her kid's classroom and how those experiences were affecting them mentally and emotionally, but also how they perceived learning. Black kids were not being reflected in the curriculum. I, I spoke to another parent who based her decision on her own school experiences, many of which were some of the things that I had already listed. Right. And as you mentioned, you spoke to several families for this series, which I should mention also is uh, debuting this Thursday, the podcast Doing It Our Way. And one of the moms you talked to, uh, she described the moment that she realized that her kids just weren't okay in their classrooms. I can just see my kids were just falling apart. And I know as a mom, we all have jobs outside of our homes. As a mom, my first job is to my babies. My first job is to make sure they're okay and they're getting everything that they need. And I knew in my heart that they just weren't. That was Beverly Hopgood speaking to Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson on the new podcast, Doing It Our Way. 
And this transition to homeschooling isn't easy, not for the parents or the kids. Marissa Ann, you spoke with another mom in St. Louis about making this decision. Her name is Shalon Gates, and she talked about feeling more than a little conflicted about it. As a mom, I really wrestle because I want my children to be happy and content with their learning experience. I don't want them to feel like homeschool is this sentence that they, you know, they have to serve because mom and dad decided this is what we're going to do. At the same time, I know that sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side. And then when you get there, you're like, oh, man, I really had it good where I came from. Marissa, and we just listened to two moms reflecting on, on this decision, knowing that their kids weren't okay in their classroom, but also wondering, you know, what is the right way to do? And is one choice going to be better than the other? What stands out to you about the different kinds of reactions, the different ways these parents have wrestled with this question? When it comes to homeschooling, there is no one way or right way to do it. I think that being a parent is already hard work. Being a teacher is hard work. Combining those two realities presents their own challenges. And it takes a lot of patience and structure and trial and error in knowing who your kid is and what they need and a willingness to meet those needs. And I think in what it takes to do it their own way, the parents have to extend some grace to themselves and to their kids because it's not an easy path. And they're trying to figure out every single day what is the best approach? And I think this podcast does that. It tells what their journey is now, but who knows what their future holds. That journey, you know, this you know, wrestling with was the was the education decision that parents made, was it the right one? That That is a, a decision that doesn't become clear uh, for years down the line. And, and that is something that you actually reflect on in a personal way in the podcast first episode, um, kind of interviewing your own parents about their decision to send you to a particular school and the ways that that didn't work out for you. Why was it important to start that conversation, to start this new podcast series, really reflecting on, on the education decisions that have affected your own life? Well, I live with the consequences of that decision Mm -hmm. every day. To give a little bit of background here, I went to a private Catholic school for five years, and my parents had bought into this narrative that going to a private school equals a good education. And unfortunately for me and their checkbook, that was not my experience, right? My teachers left a lasting negative impression on me. I was bullied a lot. I learned many moons later that we were always a couple of grades behind what we should have been learning. And for what it's worth, my parents did eventually find the right school with the right teachers that were genuinely invested in my academic success. But that didn't erase the five years of damage that was already done. And so by the time I got to college, I came to the unfortunate realization that there were so many fundamental things that I did not learn in elementary school or have a full grasp of. And I spent a lot of my own time during my undergraduate relearning so many of those things. And what I found interesting in doing this podcast was that my experience mirrored that of the kids and parents that I talked to. But what sets my journey and their journeys apart is that instead of these parents trying to hunt down another so-called good school, they decide to create their own and do it their own way by homeschooling. And when you say do it their own way, you know, that is the title of the podcast, of course. But I'm curious, of what are, what are some of those ways? You know, is it about the content of the classes that they want their kids to be learning? Or you know, is it about you know, something more intangible about you know, the, the, the tone, the vibe, the, the support they're getting? 
I think it differs for each parent, but I think um, in the case for someone like Beverly Hopgood, for example, you know, her kids have different needs in the classroom, right? And for her, her oldest kid, you know, what he needed was a, a learning environment where he was able to take his time and better comprehend things. Um, being in a, a traditional class setting just was not working out in that way because he was often ignored by his teacher. And so, you know, they're using computer programs. They're using different kind of textbooks. They're going out into the community learning in a, in a different way by going to museums, for example, and seeing the things they've talked about in the classroom and at home um, reflected in the things they're seeing out in the, in the real world. And there's a moment in the podcast uh, where Beverly talks about how excited her son was to learn again. And that was something that she didn't know if, if, if she would ever see again. You have another family where they incorporate some of those, you know, family trips um, out of town as a way of, of learning, right? Going to Black Wall Street in Oklahoma, taking college tours in uh, California. There are just so many different like cool moments that, that I saw. So it was really cool. Yeah, that, that's such an interesting example of, of the way that, you know, building on the interests of those kids because you have a parent who's really paying attention. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the families you you spoke to for this podcast, they had kids who, who were struggling, you know, with the level they were at, but, but some who had abilities that could take them further. They wanted to be taking 10th grade math, you know, in seventh grade and the schools they were in just weren't giving them that avenue and they needed someone who was actually paying attention to those skills. Um, and, and you had a chance to actually talk to some of these kids too what are families doing to kind of retain that community or, or to make things easier on these kids in a different social situation? That's where each family differs. Like, there are some of the kids that I talk to who absolutely love it and they wouldn't change it for anything. Um, and they they do have those interactions with other kids. Um, but, you know, every child is different. And no matter... Um, what you do as a parent, sometimes there are things that, that make this particular experience challenging because you want what's best for your kid. Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson is a newscaster with St. Louis Public Radio, and she is the host and producer and writer of a new three-part podcast series called Doing It Our Way, exploring the stories of black families in St. Louis that are choosing to homeschool. The first full episode drops this Thursday. Marissa Ann, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Danny. One more thing before we leave. If you want to hear more of Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson and her brand new podcast, Doing It Our Way, keep listening. Just for you, here's another eight minutes from her debut episode. For Beverly Hopgood, she got a front row seat into the pandemic-induced chaos in her six-year-old daughter Addison's virtual classroom. Her teacher was struggling daily to get the attention of a bunch of five and six-year-olds. Stop doing that. Put on a shirt. Get out of bed. Stop this stuff. It was just ridiculous. They learned the basics, the seasons, numbers, and yeah, their ABCs with the one and only Usher. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Clap your hands. The alphabet. ABCs, they can help you move, so get up and dance with me. Hey, move your arms, 
B. Like a bar. C. Like a frustration and do the crabby crawl. Beverly was a fan. I mean, it's Usher. But Addison didn't even know who Usher was. One day she came to me, she was like, Mama, if we have to count to 20 or go over the seasons, which I know, or listen to this dude Usher do the ABCs one more time, I, it's just gonna, it's gonna be a wrap. Beverly's nine-year-old son, Andre, AKA AJ, was a different story. He and his teacher just didn't click. So Beverly kept tabs on every incident, including when his teacher ignored him for 15 minutes. He was like, she's not paying attention to me. My time is almost up. He was trying to understand the actual question so he could answer it. I guess it just wasn't explained to him well enough. And so after my meeting, I went into the view of the screen. And then all of a sudden she was like, Andre, you had a question. Sweetie, if you saw my son raising his hand a while ago, you should have answered him a while ago. Don't ignore my child. You know, um, that just, it just really frustrated me. At this point, Beverly could tell the classroom was doing more harm than good for her kids. It got so bad that AJ would cry. My kids were just falling apart. And I know as a mom, we all have jobs outside of our homes. As a mom, my first job is to my babies. My first job is to make sure they're okay and they're getting everything that they need. And I knew in my heart that they just weren't. Putting her kids in a new school wasn't going to cut it. So the St. Louis mom did her research and quickly decided on homeschooling. She sat her husband down and told him her vision. And he was like, I'm sorry, what? I said, yeah. I think it really came as a shock to him because he's like, woman, you work a full-time job. And she just had another baby. Plus her husband, Andre Sr., is a firefighter and is gone for a day or two at a time. He was skeptical, but he agreed. Just like any parent, they wanted what was best for their kids. But this is just one story that does not start nor end with the Hopgoods. Black parents across the country have been homeschooling their kids well before the pandemic. Like Jamela Naidu and her husband. She's from Barbados, he's from India. They decided to move to the U.S. together and eventually started a family. They wanted their three kids in a school with a solid curriculum where they could be challenged. They knew finding a good school would be hard, but they did not know their zip code would be a roadblock. When we had our children, we realized that um, there were a lot of factors that um, affected education here in America. Your neighborhood was one. And to me personally, I didn't feel that where I lived should dictate my children's education. That reality plays such a big role in where kids go to school and in places like St. Louis, how people will perceive them. But zip codes, mediocre teachers, outdated curriculum aren't shocking to Associate Professor Sharita Butler-Barnes. She says K-12 is where a kid's racial, ethnic, and gender identities are starting to set in. When kids can't see themselves in the curriculum, it's harmful. Parents are now beginning to see that If the school isn't able to offer this, then I can also offer this, but also I can build my child's self-esteem. I can build also a healthy racial identity where they will be able to see themselves. 
that's what Shalon Gates has been instilling in her kids. She has four and has been homeschooling them for more than a decade off and on in Ferguson. It started when she noticed her oldest son, Isaac, showed signs that he loved math. And he would say, Mom, I know what number this is. And he would read it at two. Then he started to show um, evidence of being able to do um, simple math equations and wanting to um, write in cursive letters and learning how to read at the age of three. Isaac was like a sponge, soaking up everything Shalon taught him. At the time, she was a stay-at-home mom, but money got tight and Shalon had to go back to work. So Shalon and her husband put their youngest in daycare and the rest in a private Christian school. She just so happened to work there. And honestly, their daughters loved being in school. Their sons, however, had a different experience. One was bullied and Isaac wasn't being challenged academically. His parents fought for him to be put at a higher math level. They were shut down. It was just like, well, yeah, you know, you guys say that he can, you know, do all these wonderful things with math, but we, we kind of think he should just stay at this level. And so psychologically, what that does to a child when he feels that he can achieve a lot, but then he's told, well, no, we just want to keep you here. Isaac was in fourth grade at the time. And, you know, just like any kid, he wanted to fit in, but it was hard. He'd always finish his work before his classmates. They couldn't believe it, and neither could the teacher. And it got to the point where Isaac was worried that he'd lose friends if he didn't hold back. Some people stopped talking to me little by little. So at the time, I didn't really understand why. But, you know, I guess they were a little bit jealous. Can you talk to me about how that made you feel? You know, you're only in the fourth grade and you're experiencing people kind of pushing you away. Well, yeah, because it was my first time in a school environment. Well, besides from the year before, but I was still relatively new to it. So sometimes I would go down to my mom's classroom when I was supposed to be going to the bathroom. And, you know, I just sometimes just talked to her about what's, what was going on and stuff, gave her a hug. So I, I think if, if mom wasn't there then it would have been way harder. Isaac and Shalon kept talking, and eventually the kids transitioned back to homeschooling. And Shalon spent a lot of time building Isaac's confidence back. You know, I said, now we're back home. It's okay that you perform at whatever level you're capable of performing at. And I want you to gain that spark again of wanting to achieve and and attain a high level of academic achievement. Like, it's okay. Sky's the limit. Just go for it. Want to listen to the entire episode or the next two as they're released? We'll be posting these full episodes in our podcast feed, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and at stlpr.org slash our way. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Danny Wisentowski. podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.